Well, everybody will get in here in a sec. And, uh, well, I'm so glad to be here. I tell you, I was wondering if I was going to get here. You were wondering if I was going to get here. Mike was wondering if I was going to get here. And, uh, but I, I was in a church last week. It was at 1030. The week before that, it was at 1030. And I met with Jason a few weeks ago. And, and uh, I said, tell me the time. And I, I know he said probably 10 o'clock. And I wrote it down. But, uh, but uh, when you become my age, you, you begin to forget and you kind of run things on. And some of you are nodding your head because you're probably where I am. And uh, if you're not where I am, you will one day. And, uh, and, and I learned another lesson, make sure I check my calendar every, every day and, and everything. But I'm so glad to be here. I haven't been here in a worship time in a couple of years or so. I'm from Alabama. Can you tell? Yeah, yeah, you're going to have a, yeah, I have a little bit, I have a little bit of an accent. Uh, we live in Birmingham. My wife, Debbie, is here. Uh, we've been married 41 years. She's a Georgia peach, and I'm an Alabama redneck, is what they call them down there. And um, but anyway, we've been married a long time. It, it's, it has been a long time, and it's been good a long time, a long, long time. We've just retired from 41 years of pastoring. Um, from a place called Dothan, Alabama, and there's some Dothanites that come up here, and uh, a lot of work back on the pastorum back there was done from people from my church uh, back when Jerry was pastor, <clears throat> and uh, so we kind of go back about seven years with this church, and so I pray for you every Sunday morning, and we haven't missed a time praying for you in seven years, and we will continue on praying for you my wife and I, as, as you journey on, and uh, man, what you've done in here is just remarkable. It's just so beautiful, and you got rid of those old pews that you had in here, and, uh, and, um, and, and all, and just, just wonderful. But 41 years of pastoring, we ended in Dothan First Baptist Church, um, and now we live in a place called Birmingham, Alabama, uh, the small capital of the South. And what we call it, but it's the hills and the mountains. We live back in the mountains now, up in the hills area, and uh, where I can't get cell service any longer. We lived in the flatlands of South Alabama, near near the coast, and so we got the hurricanes. And Michael came through our our front door uh, last year, or year before last year, and uh, came through our front door and left his calling cards with us all around. And but we survived all of that. But I have a word for you today, and I want you to take your Bible and look with me over in the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew, the first, first book of the Gospels, first book of the, of the New Testament itself. Um, Matthew wrote this, and he wrote, and everything he wrote about, he wrote about kings. He was a kingdom person. And, uh, and so he wrote about, when he talks about Jesus, he, he talks often about the kingdom. And you will see Jesus speaking about kingdom all the way through the book of Matthew, about the kingdom of God. The kingdom is this, the kingdom of heaven. And that there is more to life than what you and I see and witness right here. There's a kingdom that is ruling and reigning today. Even while we're here, there's a kingdom that is ruling and reigning. And we're going to look at that in, in just a moment. But let me ask you a question. While you're, you're looking here in this sixth chapter of, of Matthew, and we'll read it in just a moment, but a, but a very important question. Well, what's the most important thing to you in life? I want you to think about it. What is the most important thing to you in life? 
the most important thing to you in life. Now, we can go through it and say, well, the most important thing is my health, is my family, is my children, is my wife, is my job. Um, if you're from the south where we are, it's college football and things like that, okay? And, but what's the most important thing to you in life? Can I tell you what the Bible says when the most important things that there is in life? The Westminster Catechism says this, and it sums it all up, and it says that the duty of man is to know God and to enjoy him forever. Pretty good, isn't it? My, my main desire in life is to know God, to know him, know the creator Know the one who loves you. Know the one who provides for you. Know the one who graces you and grants mercy to you every day. Know him. And then not just only know him and, and, and knowing that, that he is there and he's so far away, but you enjoy him. And really, you can take it all the way back to the Garden of Eden, can you? Adam and Eve, they knew God, and what did they do? They enjoyed him in the cool of the evening. They enjoyed journeying with God, walking with God. They enjoyed his presence. They enjoyed him. And here's the thing, God enjoyed them. I wonder sometimes, does God really enjoy me? You know, I enjoy hanging out with the Lord because his presence is always around me in, in, in the Lord, always around me. But does he really enjoy me? He might not enjoy some things that I may do. But I promise you, he will enjoy you because you are his creator and you're, you're his creation. But what's the heart of Jesus? You know, what was the important thing to Jesus? You know what the most important thing to Jesus was or, or the heart of Jesus was? And it's this right here. You need to just grab this, write it down, put it on your refrigerator, do something with it. The heart of Jesus was knowing and doing the will of his father. The most important thing that he did was to know and to do the will of his Father. So if that was the will of Jesus, what should be the, the most important thing for us, if that was the most important thing to him? To know and to do the will of the Father. So the most important thing for me to do and for you to do every day is to know and to do the will of of the Father in heaven. This was the very heartbeat of Jesus. And Jesus prayed this over Matthew 26, 39, where he, he was there, and he was there in the garden right before he was to go to the cross, and he prayed to the Father. He said, not my will, but it's your will. Your will is to be done. The will of the Father, the will of the Father. And if that was his will, it should be the same for us. Mark chapter 3, verse 35 says, for whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister, and he goes on to say, even my mother. In other words, they're the ones that are really, really close to me. They're the ones that I, I hang out with. They're the ones that I call the ones that I really trust in life. Now, over in Matthew chapter 6, when I ask you to turn there, Jesus is here, and his disciples have gathered around, and they asked him a very important question. They said, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? Will you just teach us how to how to pray. How, how, do you, how do you talk to the Father? Because they, they knew that something was, was, was quite different, um, quite different with, within them, quite different in the very prayer of Jesus himself. And if you go back over in, in Luke chapter 
Luke chapter 11, verse 2, and you'll find the same thing, and that's where the question was asked. Jesus, will you teach us how to pray like you're praying? And so, so Jesus is here teaching them how to pray, and in his prayer, the very heart of Jesus comes out. You know, I have found out of all of these years, 41 years, I have found out how to really find the heart of what is really going on in the life of a person. I have found out if I watch them and how they react through circumstances of life, I will tell where they are in their life. How do you react? Not when things are going good, but when the pressure of life is mounting upon you, where do you go? Where do you run to? And the second thing is by listening to how someone prays. How someone prays. You can begin to hear and I'm not saying that everything, you have to write out everything. I'm saying this, the very heart of you and how you believe and how you walk comes through your prayer. Often you need to listen how, we, how you pray because your prayer will tell you where your heart is and where your trust is. And so they had listened to Jesus. They had watched Jesus in reaction to life, and they had listened to him. And they said, Jesus, there's something about you and how you're praying so you teach us how to pray. And in, Ma in Matthew chapter 6, in this story that is called the Sermon on the Mount, here he is saying, listen, I want you to know how to reach the very heart of God himself. And I want you to know how to live in the very will of God. Now, I want to just share with you several things today about the will of God. About the will of God. If, if that was important to Jesus, it should be very important to me. If that was the priority of Christ, it should be the priority of my life. If that was the main focus of the life of Jesus, that ought to be my main focus. Father, what is the will? What is your will today for me? What is your will? And I'm a three-point guy, okay? I got three things to share with you. Here's the first thing I want you to know that God has a plan. Now listen to what he says here. Let's read this scripture. Here in Matthew chapter 6, he starts out there in verse 9. He says, In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. I want you to take note of a couple of things. Here's the first thing that Jesus says in this prayer that he prayed that talks about the will of God. He says this, God has a plan. God has a plan. He says, your will, your will. God has a plan. Now, what is a plan? What is a plan? What is the will? Well, it's this. It is a wish or the very heart of God. And so when Jesus was praying, he was saying to the Father, he said, Father, what, what, is, what, is, what are your wishes? What do you wish in my life? What, what, is your, what is your heart for me? What is your plan for me in my life? Have you ever asked the Lord that in the morning? Said, Lord, today, what, what is your plan for me today? Lord, what is your plan for me in my home? What is your plan for me even at my job? What is your plan for me as I take breath every day? God, what is your plan here today? Jesus prayed. He says, I, I have come to do the very will of my Father. And so he starts out and he prays this. So he shares with us in the very beginning of his prayer. He says, God has a plan. 
and he has one for your life. Isn't that something? God has a plan for your life. Whenever you were born, God had a plan for you. I don't know about you, but that makes me feel pretty good. That makes me feel really secure that I, when I was born, God didn't have to go and make up a plan for me. God had a plan for me. And today, I don't have to wake up and say, Lord, what, what is your plan today? And, and to know that God in heaven is saying, well, I don't know, Johnny. I don't know what my plan is for you today. But let, let, me, let me check on it, and I'll pull some things out of the record to find out what, your, what the plan is. No, he already has a plan. He has a plan for you. Therefore, if he has a plan, he has a purpose. But he has a plan for you in your life. Now, notice something in this passage. Notice something in verse 10 of this passage. He says, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Now, here's a key word. The key word is not will. The key word in this passage is your, your. If you're reading out of the King James, it will be thy, but it's your will be done. Your will be done. Who is your? Your goes back to, he says, my Father who art in heaven. My Father who is in heaven. He's talking about the Creator God. He's talking about the holy God. And he says, you are so, so holy. Our Father who art in heaven, how holy is your name. I think about that, and, and I think about Isaiah 6, whenever, whenever Isaiah was there before the Lord, and the Lord, his, his throne came down, and there he was standing before the throne of God. And he heard the cherubims cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Wow, holy, separated beyond anything else. There's no one else like him. No one else like him. Holy is your name, my Father who art in heaven. Now listen, you'll never desire to seek, to know, and to live in the will of God until you recognize your place in God's kingdom. And let's say that again. You'll not know how to seek, to know, and to live in the will of God until you know and I know my place in the kingdom of God. Let me explain that to you. Being, because he talks about a kingdom, there is a kingdom, there's two kingdoms in a world. Two, there's only two. Whether you're down south where we live, or you're up north, or you even go to, to Canada. Whether you live in Asia, or you live in Africa, whether you live in Central America, whether you live in North America, there are only two kingdoms. It's the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Satan. There's only two. It's the kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness. There's only two. It doesn't matter where you and I live or where we may go. There are only two kingdoms. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of Satan. The kingdom of light, the kingdom of darkness. Only two. And here Jesus is referring to the kingdom of God which is all-powerful from all things. He created everything. Now, within that kingdom, within that kingdom, there's some things you need to understand, that there is a king. There is a king in heaven. And, and who's the king in heaven? Jesus was referring to his father, but whenever Jesus went back to the heavens and ascended back into heavens, his father made him the king of the kingdom. So you and I, being that we are believers in Jesus Christ, have joined into the kingdom of light and to the kingdom of God. We left the kingdom of darkness. Those without Christ, that's where they are. 
If they're, in the, they're walking under the, under the authority and under the suppressive and discouragement of, of all and destructiveness of the kingdom of darkness. But the moment we come to Christ and we come to him through the blood of his own, of his own body, we come to him out of the resurrecting power. We come to him and now we enter and we live under the very kingdom of God. Isn't that exciting? Oh, that's so exciting. So therefore, I live in his kingdom. So therefore, I have a king. My king is King Jesus. We sing songs about that. My king is King Jesus. Now, there's something else I need to understand. I have a king. I have a kingdom that we live in the kingdom. But yet, I am a person living in the kingdom under a king. So what do I need to do? What, does, what, what do people do when they live under a king? They obey the king, all right? They obey the king. We obey the king. The whole New Te Old Testament talks about that. David understood it quite well. He talks about that over and over and over again. He understands the kingdom. Now, you and I, we live in a democracy. We live in the Western world filled with democracy, and we don't understand kingdom. We think we all have a vote. We don't have a vote in the kingdom. The king, no, in other words, I have to listen to what God says. God has a plan. God has a will for my life. My job is to hear what God says and then do what God tells me to do. My job is to always obey the will of my Father in heaven, my King who is in heaven. So that is what we're, what we're to do in, in, in our life, and that we're to obey the will of God. So here it is, point number one, there is a kingdom. God has a plan for his kingdom, and I'm a part of his kingdom. He has a plan for you because you're a part of the kingdom of God. Now, here's point number two. God wants to reveal his plan to you. Not only does God have a plan, God wants you to know it. God wants you to know it. Boy, that's incredible. God wants me to know his plan for my life how I am to live, and what I am to do. Notice what he stated here in verse 10. He says, your kingdom come, and he says, your will be done. Your will be done. That is not something of the future. Okay, God, we know you have a plan, and we know that the end is going to come down, down the way. We know that. But Lord, what about right now? He says, I've got that taken care of. Your will be done. This is in a, a, a text called the, the an aorist tense, which means basically this. That, that means that something has already been completed. God has already completed, has already completed the plan for your life. God is not putting the plan together. He's not dreaming up something. He's already completed it. Already completed it. When I was growing up, um, we used to put puzzles together. Did you ever put puzzles together? You know, you go by them, and when we were children, you find these puzzles, and the, and the pieces, like three pieces, are about this big, you know. But, but there was always a picture of what the puzzle was to look like. I was walking into a home several, um, several, several months ago, and, and I walked by a table, and, and there was on, on the table... On the table was a puzzle, pieces of a puzzle. Man, it was a big old thing. And, and I looked, and there was a box of what the puzzle 
was to look like. You know what it was? It was Fenway Park. Then you lie. I love that, man. I, I'm, a, I'm a Red Sox fan. And, and so it's Fenway Park. And I said, I must be in the right house. And this is this man, this is a Red Sox home. I love this home. And but it was a it was a I think about two thousand pieces of a puzzle. And where in the world you began? Well, there's a picture already done. And I was starting to think about that and said, you know, God has already got the picture of what my life will look like if I walk with him. He already has a plan. Now you and I are living in the puzzle and the pieces of the puzzle. Every day, God will tell me what to do with the puzzle of my life that will bring forth the picture. Does that make any sense? Every day, every day, the puzzle, pieces of the puzzle is being put together. Romans, Paul says it in Romans 8, 28. He says, all things work together. All are the pieces of the puzzle that is there and is working. It looks like a mess. It looks so confusing. But there's a picture God has, and God will bring that puzzle to completion. So he has a puzzle in your life, but he knows what it's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to look like. I think sometimes if, if I saw how everything's going to turn out, it would scare me half to death. But God says, that's why I want you to trust me, to trust me along the way as the pieces of the puzzle are being put together being put together. So every day I am growing in that. And so to, to put the pieces of the puzzle together, Jesus says over in John 14, he says, you are to obey me in putting the pieces of the puzzle together. Obey me. And what happens as I obey him, he, the Bible, Jesus says, I will manifest myself. I will make known to you myself. And you'll begin to see a little bit clearer, the picture of the puzzle. In the Old Testament, there's a word that is used for that. It's called understanding. Understand. You begin to see it. You ever had one of those moments where the light just cuts on? Wow. You know what that is? That's called understanding. You're able to see pieces of the puzzle coming together. Isn't that neat how God does that? You know, you're walking through it and, and you're... And like everything is just going wrong and it seems so confusing and all of a sudden God says I'm gonna let you see it and there it is there it is there it is the will of God he has a plan for you he wants to reveal the plan to you you say well I wish I knew the plan of God well let, let me tell you something about the plan of God real quick there is a revealed plan of God and a to be revealed plan of God What's the revealed plan of God? Well, it's this book called the Bible. That is, the, that is God's will for you, obeying the word of God. And so before he'll ever show me anything way out there about, the, about his plans and will for my life, I need to begin obeying what's written in this book, the Bible. That's why you read it. That's why you say, okay, the word here is not just a, another book. It is God's word to me. And therefore, being that he's the king, this is the rule book of the kingdom. I need to obey the rule book of the kingdom, but then I can walk under the blessing of the Lord. Doesn't that make sense? It does to me because it's already here. I already have it. I already have it. The years ago, we lived in Texas and, uh, and there was a guy there by the name of John Ballard. 
John led music in this, this huge church in, in outside of Fort Worth, well, in the north part of Fort Worth, Texas. And, and there was a young lady that came to him one day, and John told me this, came to him one day, and, and she was so concerned about her future, what, what God's plan was for her future. And, uh, and John asked a question. He says, well, I don't know what God has for you out there, but what are you doing with what you already know? And she says, what do you mean? And he pulled his Bible out, and he says, you have the Bible here. What are you doing with the will of God that you already know? Are you loving those like Jesus loved them? Are you caring for those like Jesus cared for them? Are you forgiving like he forgives? What are you doing? Are you trusting him along the way? What are you doing with what you already have? Now, let me ask you a question. I don't know what God's plan for you is in the future. I have no idea. But what are you doing with the will of God that you already know called the Word of God? That's what God holds me accountable for every day. Am I obeying what I already know? Am I obeying what I already know? The Word of God being, being revealed to you along, along, along the way. Man, the Word of God is there. Here's the third thing. Here's the third thing. You know, God has a plan. God wants to reveal that plan to you. And here's the third thing. God wants freedom with his plan. God doesn't want me to fight him. I, I don't need to fight God with what he wants me to do in my life and what he wants to do within my life. I, he doesn't want me to do that at all. Because he says, our Father in heaven, how, how holy is your name, your kingdom come, and I want your will to be done. Jesus says, my heart is so open, Father, I will not resist you with whatever your will is. I will not resist you at all. Resisting what God says. You ever read the word and you read and you say, I just don't want to do that? Or, you, or we use this terminology, say, well, I, I know what the Bible says, but I just need to pray about that. Listen, you never have to pray about what God has already said. I just do it. If I am praying about and say, well, I'm just going to pray, really what I'm saying is that I don't like what he's saying, and therefore I'm putting a resistant spirit up saying, Lord, I don't want to obey you. I don't want to obey you. Jesus is praying, Lord, Father, your will be done right here. And what Jesus is, is saying, said, Father, I want you to have the same freedom on earth that you have in heaven with your plan. I want you to have the same freedom right here on earth as you do in heaven with your plan. Well, what is heaven like then with the plan of God? If Jesus says, I want you to carry out your plan on earth like you're carrying it out in heaven. What is your plan like in heaven? Over in Revelation chapter 4, we're not going to read it right now, but you need to read that. John saw how the plan of God was being carried out in heaven. It says in John 4, it said that he, he, uh, he, saw, he heard a voice and he turned and he saw a door. And then the one with the voice said... John, come up here and we'll show you things to come. In other words, John, do you want to come up here and see some things? <laughs> do you want to see what's going on in heaven? Wouldn't you like to see what's going on in heaven right now? I mean, he said, do you want to see what's going on in heaven? And John said, 
you bet, man, I'm living on an Isle of Patmos. I've been a prisoner. I'm starving to death. Life is a bummer here. Let me get on to heaven. And so there he is, and he finds himself in a throne room. And he looks and he sees the very throne of God up there. And he sees the, the presence of the Lord, not in the figure of a human. That, that's in chapter 5 with Jesus. But he sees, the, uh, he sees the aura of God. He sees the rainbow surrounding the throne, which means that there's no more, there's no more war. There's no more trouble. There, there's peace here. The storm's over with. But then John looks around. And he sees all of those that are there before the throne of God. He looks. And everyone there is all of the creation of God. And then there in chapter 4, and then chapter 5 he goes, and there on the throne is Jesus, the right hand of the Father, right there on the very throne of God. And so there is God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit filling the whole place up. But then John takes note of what is happening in heaven. You know there's something, what's happening in heaven in Revelations 4 and 5? No one there is resisting the plan of God. Because he goes on and he begins to share what the end times will look like. No one's resisting it. Everyone is praising the Father in heaven, saying yes to the Father. We trust you. There is no resistance in heaven. No one. There's only been one where there was one, and then, a, then, then he had about a, a, a fourth of, of those in heaven did the same thing that resisted the Father, and that was a guy by the name of Satan. The only one that resisted the plan of God. And he no longer lives there. No, nothing in heaven resists the plans of God. Jesus says, Father, on earth, may no one here resist your plan because that's how heaven operates. Wow. So when if I'm praying, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I am praying, Lord, I want your plan to be done here and I'm not going to resist you. Whatever you tell me in the word, I'm not going to resist you. Whatever you guide me in my life, I am not going to resist you. What I want to do and what I desire to do is that I desire to obey and to give in to you. There's a key word in this, and it's a word called submitting. It's called submitting. If I submit unto the Lord, then I'm giving myself unto him, and then no matter what, I will not resist him. Now, I may have a hard time with it, and it may hurt, and... And my flesh says, I don't know, but yet I give in. Thy will be done. Thou will be done. Thou will be done. Lord, your will be done. Your will be done right here. No resistance to his plan. Let me ask you a question. Is there an area in your life today that you're resisting God? Any area in your life where you are resisting God? God shows you something in his word, and you say, well, I don't know if I want to do that or not. That's resisting that's resisting. Is there any area in your life where you're resisting God? Jesus says, Father, may your plan on earth be like it is in heaven where there's no resistance. Can you come to a place and saying, Lord, in, in my life, Lord, I, I've resisted you, but Lord, right now, I want that in my life. May I am so willing to be made willing here. 
I don't want to resist you. I don't want to resist you. And he does that through grace and through mercy as he works and he walks me through life. And it's called trusting him that he takes me through it and he allows me to begin to just give in more and more and more to his life and to his will. We call that spiritual growth. Where every day, every day, there's an understanding a little bit better. Remember the puzzle? When you're a child, the puzzle piece is about this big, but the, more, the older you become, because it says there's an age thing on that box, and the older we become, the smaller the pieces. And so that means that there's a progression. There's a progression in walking in the plan of God. Every day I submit to whatever the Lord tells me. I'm not going to reach there at the very beginning. I'm not. I have to deal with my flesh. I've got to deal with how my mind has been wired by a world. But if I submit myself to him and say, Lord, I am willing to be made willing about obeying the will of God, that I do not resist you at all. Your will on earth as it is in heaven. Let me tell you what happens. Whenever you do, whenever you begin to live and walk in his will on earth as it is in heaven, there's some things that, that will happen to you. Because in heaven, this is what happens in heaven that can happen to your life. You're filled with his power. Whenever I'm allowing what the will of God is in heaven to be operating here on earth in my life, I am filled with him. Because that's what the Spirit of God, remember the third person of the Trinity, there's God the Father, God's Son, and there's God the Holy Spirit. Now let me ask you, where's God the Holy Spirit dwelling? Right in you if you're a believer. He comes to live within you and around you, but He is in you. The only God on earth lives in you. Man, that'll blow your mind, won't it, when you think about it? The two are in heaven. The Father and the Son are in heaven on a throne. The third dwells within you and around you. And he is there to fill you with incredible power that's already there in heaven. You're the most powerful person on the face of the earth because you have the power of the Trinity living within you. You're powerful. Therefore, nothing of the, of the spirit of darkness should ever have dominion over your life. Because of the power of God in you. Let me ask you a question real quick, okay? Yeah, you got time. Listen, let me ask you a very important question. This is so important. Which one has, and this may be hard, which one has the most power, Satan or God? God does, doesn't he? Which one has the most power, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Satan? Kingdom of God. Now, let me ask you this. Which one are you living under? Are we really mentally in knowledge? We say, I'm living in the kingdom of God. But in practicality, am I operating under the kingdom of God? Do I allow the cares of a world to get me down, to discourage me, and to destroy me? Do I, and Satan wants to do that with the cares of a world. But you, as a child of God, have the power of the heavens living within you. That you can rise above anything and everything in life. Because you are a part of a kingdom that is greater than you. You are a part of the kingdom of holy God. And he is on his throne high and lifted up. The Bible says the earth is the Lord. The world is the Lord. Everything is the Lord. This ground that you and I walk upon is the Lord. 
panel belongs to God. It doesn't belong to a darkness. It belongs to the Lord. Now, are we living like that? Are we living and say, well, I'm going to have to just protect myself and hope I can make it? No, we need to live as victors and as conquerors. As conquerors. The power of God living. We live with that kind of power. But if you live in the, on, on earth as it is in heaven, you'll live also and very aware of his presence. Very aware of his presence. Hey, right here, not only in you but around you, is the third person of the Trinity right here. When you wake up in the morning, you ought to say, okay, Father, thank you for being on the throne. And the Holy Spirit, thank you for being right here. The presence of God, his Holy Spirit is always there, being aware of his presence around you. And here's the third thing. Whenever you live on earth as it is in heaven, you'll receive his provisions. You're open to whatever God has. Because he says, he says, give us this day our daily bread. And you begin to watch God's provision being granted unto you. You receive his provision. And it's always enough. Sometimes I wish, God, you'd give me more than enough. He says, no, I'll, I'll promise you enough. I didn't promise you anymore. I promise you enough because you have me. Whenever I uh, retired, so-called, from the pastorate, and I'm still in the ministry, but I retired from the pastorate, my, my last Sunday in the pastorate was uh, the 28th of July. We got home. We'd already sold our house, and we were living in a barn. I mean, literally, we were living in a barn, a storage barn. It had a little apartment on. We were living in a barn way out in the country by a peanut field. And... Um, uh, it had been a long, long, long day, and, and, and I, was, I was praying, and I, and I just felt the Lord say, let's go outside and, and talk for a while. Let's go talk. And I went outside, and I went beside the big old peanut field, and, and, and the Lord said, uh, look up above. What do you see? And I looked up, and I said, I see stars, and I see the moon, I see all of this, all of this, the beauty of the night, all the stars. It was a bright night. And the Lord said this, all that is there is yours. Everything I have is yours. Let me be your resource. And I just had to kneel before the Lord and say, Lord, everything I need I find in you. Everything God has is yours. You're an heir and co-heir in Christ Jesus. He provides everything. His provision is always there. And it all comes by knowing and living in the will of God. Now, let me ask you this morning. What is the most important thing to you? It should be what's the most, what was the most important thing to Jesus and that was to know them, do the will of God. Right where you are in your life, it may be at your job, it may be, I don't know where it is, your neighborhood, I, I don't know. But maybe right now you're dealing with knowing the will of God in, in areas of your life. Don't act until you know his will. He wants you to know it. Spend time with him, hear him, listen to him. He doesn't want to keep his plan from you. He wants you to know it. But you have to spend time with him, listening, obeying what he has here, 
and then obeying him and submitting to him. The first thing to do with that will is submit to him. And the Bible says in Romans 12, Paul said, he said, I beseech you, my brothers, to submit yourself, commit yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. That's your reasonable service. And he said, and you will know the will of God. Submit. Will you do that this morning? A fresh submitting unto the Lord. Lord, thy will be done because you're the Father in heaven. I'm a part of your kingdom. And you want me to know it. And I want to live it. Will you bow with me? Let's bow for a moment. Yeah.